I want to show you a few things tonight, church. And I, man, again, here again, I hope you, uh, I hope that you will uh, hear me out. I, we're not going to preach very long at all tonight, but uh, with some uh, some good things, I think some things that we definitely need to hear tonight. Some things that I believe will be a blessing to you. And so I want to talk to you about that subject you see on the screen tonight: a ray of light in a very dark, dark world. And so. Uh, Genesis chapter 19 in your Bibles, and uh, when you find your place, let's all stand tonight, if you would, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, that is, Genesis 19, and we're going to read several verses, and then we're going to use our Bibles a little bit tonight, and we're going to turn away from Genesis 19, but if you would uh, put the ribbon of your Bible right there, Genesis 19, or put your bookmark or something right there, because we're going to keep going back, we're going to keep going back to Genesis 19, and it would be great if you can just turn back there uh, sort of lightning fast. And that, that'll, that'll help us get through this a little quicker tonight. Genesis 19 and verse number 1. And we're going to read down through verse number 13. Then we're going to read several other verses tonight. Uh, Genesis 19 verse 1. The Bible says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in. I pray you into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now we learned so far that that was not even a possibility, that there was no way with the reputation of Sodom, there was no way that these men, uh, at least not that Lot thought, there was no way that normal men, I'll put it that way, could stay on the street uh, all night. These men, yes, these men were able to take care of themselves. In fact, these men went on to, to take care of this whole city. Uh, but uh, anyway, verse number three, and he pressed upon them, talking about Lot, and he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bacon, leavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house, house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now that's as sordid as you could ever think right there. And it means if you, you're, you say, preacher, is that, is that immoral? Very immoral is what that's leaning toward right there. Verse number six. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, uh, let me give you an alternative. I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn. Man, that's a whole other message right there. Somebody asked me the other night, I, I know one thing about this series, one good thing about this series is got your wheels turning. And somebody came the other night and they said, Pastor, if Sodom was so wicked and so hostile, how did Lot ever set up housekeeping there? Why did they let Lot come in? And I think... I don't know if I can prove this, but I think it had to be at least in part because Lot was so well-to-do when he came to Sodom. And maybe they weren't so, so concerned about him, but they were concerned about his money. 
And so they're talking a lot here and, and they said, this one fellow came into sojourn. In, in other words, you weren't really even a part of us, but we let you come in. And he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, talking about the angels, and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Now skip down to verse number 23. The Bible says the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. You may be seated tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we had together to, to tonight. Thank you for the music and the choir and the specials, the congregational singing. Lord, I appreciate you allowing us to be here tonight. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to get something tonight. And I understand that nobody's probably gonna go home from here with everything I say or every point that I preach, but maybe just one thought, maybe just one illustration one point, one truth would lodge in their hearts and their minds and I pray that it would make a lasting difference. Lord, I pray that you would control their minds and now, Lord, I pray that you'd control mine and I pray that you'd help me to keep my mind focused and uh, may we keep our minds upon you tonight. And so, Lord, bless our discussion, I pray, and we thank you, we pray for your power, we love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people saying, amen. The reason we read the scripture we read tonight is because I want you to understand that truly this is a dark story, the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Words that come to mind when you read this story are words like death, destruction, sadness, by the way, we're going to get more and more into that, and I'm going to show you some other things that I believe are going to really maybe even amaze you. Devastation, perversion, all those words come to mind. In fact, as you read Genesis chapter 19 and the story of Lot, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're not careful, you'll read this story almost in such a way as you think maybe that Lot and his family had no hope. It almost seems hopeless. These angels have come in and they've let him know that they're gonna destroy the city and that you better get out while you can. And it almost seems as if, as if it's a hopeless situation. But this is what I wanna bring out to you tonight. In reality, Lot's situation was not near as hopeless as maybe it seems. 
In fact, church, I'm going to be honest with you, almost with surprise, as I read this story and the Spirit of God began to really speak to my heart, I noticed this. I noticed that actually Lot had a lot more in his favor than we would think. And, uh, and so in the same way, you know what? If, if we are living in some dark times in America today, not just America, but the world. So much going on. We're seeing things happen that, that many of us have never seen happen. We've seen some dark things, and, but uh, you know, we're talking about pandemics and COVID-19 and coronavirus and all these things and sickness and, and uh, terrorism and national unrest and sinful compromise and man, we're seeing unemployment and, and uh, so many things are unfolding. And you know, if we're not careful, a lot of times we start sort of looking at what's going on and we think, Lord, this is hopeless. I mean, this is hopeless. But I want you to understand that just like Lot, our situation is not maybe not as dire and maybe not as dark as it seems to be. I want to take just a few minutes tonight, not long at all, if I can, and I want to show you some things that Lot had going on in his favor, and I've got a feeling that most of you here tonight, probably the same things are going on in your favor as well. Uh, maybe this will help you, and I'd hope that it will. How about this? Number one, we notice this. First of all, he had somebody praying for him. Now look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 19, verse number 29. Genesis 19, verse number 29. The Bible says, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, look at this, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot Dwelt. And so someone says, preacher, how is it that Lot got saved in the midst of this overthrow and this destruction and this devastation? How is it that Lot got saved? Well, the Bible's very clear about that. The Bible says that God remembered Abraham. And because he remembered Abraham, he sent Lot out of the overthrow. Now, someone says, pastor, what's that talking about? Well, look, if you will, back uh, one chapter to Genesis chapter 18. Most of you know this story, but just in case you don't, Genesis chapter 18, and we, we find a story here, and this is what the Bible's talking about when it says that God remembered Abraham. Genesis 18, verse number 22. The Bible says, and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the 50 righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he talking about the Lord, and he said, If I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said to him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there shall 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. 
And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak but yet but this once. And he says to the Lord, peradventure, 10 shall be found there. By the way, we're gonna, we're gonna teach on that, uh, why Abraham used that number 10. Uh, peradventure, 10 shall be found there. And the Lord said, and he said, I will not destroy it for 10 sake. Now, what's going on? Abraham is talking to the Lord. And he's saying, Lord, he said, would you, would you uh, spare Sodom if we can find at least 10 people that are righteous there? And basically what Abraham was saying was, Lord, I've got some family down there. I've got some loved ones down there. And Lord, please, uh, don't, don't, don't destroy them as you destroy the city. And so Lot had someone praying for him, even though it seemed he was in a hopeless situation. Did you know if you have people praying for you that it's far from a hopeless situation? If folks are praying for you, man, what a blessing to know that folks are praying for you. And by the way, that's one of the perks of being a part of a local New Testament church, the right kind of church. When you're the part of the right kind of a church, you know, one of the things you know is this, that my church has my back. My church is praying for me. They're lifting me up. They're encouraging me. I thought about a story over in Acts chapter 12. You don't have to turn over there tonight, but the Bible says the apostle Peter had been taken captive by King Herod. And uh, uh, the Bible says that Herod had already killed James and he saw that it was popular with the Jews and so he caught Peter, the apostle Peter, and he puts Peter in prison. And here Peter is between 16 soldiers. Uh, 16 soldiers are guarding this preacher. And, uh, and the Bible says this, but prayer, but prayer was made of the church without ceasing for him. Peter had a church and boy, while Peter was down in prison, the church had prayer meeting and they were praying for Peter. They were praying that God would spare him, that God would take care of him. By the way, you know the story. The Bible says that God sent his angel and long story short, he set Peter free. By the way, I thought about that story over Luke chapter 22. Remember the story? Same Peter. And uh, Peter had become a target of the Lord. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. Listen, church, don't you know that was a blessing when Peter heard the Lord say, I prayed for you. I prayed for you. Man, you say, wow, preacher, that would really be a blessing to know that Christ was praying for you. Well, guess what? He is praying for you. He is praying for you. He doesn't just pray for Peter. He's praying for you. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Would you take your Bibles tonight and turn over to Romans chapter number eight? Romans chapter number eight. And look, if you will, at verse number 22. Did you know our Bible teaches this, Calvary? That you and I have not only a prayer intercessor, but just like we have a prayer intercessor, we have a prayer partner. Look at uh, Romans chapter eight and verse number 22. Well, this is fitting. Verse 22 says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Well, we're there right now. Together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruit of the spirits. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. In other words, we're waiting for the Lord to come. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? 
But if we hope for that, we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now look at verse 26. The Bible says, likewise the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now you say, Pastor, what in the world is that teaching? It's teaching this, that Jesus Christ serves as our intercessor. He is taking our needs to the Heavenly Father. But guess what? We have a prayer partner called the Holy Spirit of God. And there's a lot of times, listen, have you ever been here? Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't really know how to pray? You didn't know what to say. Have you ever been in a situation where you were so low that you just went to the Lord and you said, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. Lord, I don't even know what words to say. Did you know the Bible says that we have a prayer partner called the Holy Ghost? And when we don't know how to pray and we don't know what we should say, we have a blessed Holy Spirit that comes and he takes that need to Jesus and he says, this is what he needs. This is what he's trying to say. And Jesus takes that need to the Heavenly Father. Oh, listen to me. I'm just saying this, that your situation is not hopeless when you know that you've got somebody that's praying for you. I thought about the story and I'm telling some stories I hadn't told in a long, long time today. Now, I couldn't help but think about that story Brother House used to tell when he was, he was a boy and he grew up in a drunkard's home and, uh, and, his, uh, and he had seen the, 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 the devastation that alcohol could bring in his own family's life and seen his mama beat up, beat up multiple times and seen his daddy come home late at night and drunk and run into the, a tree. And, and uh, anyway, he saw all that. and His mama taught him that y'all never drink. Brother House said he had got, you know, grown up a little bit and he was out one night with some older boys and they, it was about midnight and they were parked in front of the Texas Theater. And he said there were three boys in the front seat, three boys in the back seat. He said they parked in front of this theater and he said the driver reached down under the seat, pulled out a brown paper bag and pulled out a bottle of liquor. He took the top off of it and took a drink, passed it to the next guy. He took a drink. Passed it to the next guy. He took a drink. Brother House said, I'd never drank. Alcohol had never touched my lips. I seen what alcohol had done to my daddy. And my mama taught me, y'all never drink. Y'all never drink. And, and, and here came that bottle making its way back to me. And Brother House thought, what am I gonna do? If I don't drink, they'll make fun of me. If I don't take a drink, they'll, they'll call me chicken. If I don't take a drink, I won't be popular. And he said, little by little, that bottle made its way to me. And finally, Brother House said, here I was, midnight, sitting in the back seat of the car, holding a liquor bottle in my hands, getting ready to put it to my lips. And he said, just about the time that I got ready to lift it to my lips, he said, it was like an arrow. It was like an arrow struck through my heart. And he said, I took that liquor bottle and I threw it in the Floorboard, and he said, liquor splashed everywhere. And they said, what are you doing? And he said, take me home. Take me home. 
And he said they began to laugh. Boy, they began to make fun of him. And they said, you little chicken. He said, oh, whatever, take me home. And uh, you little pretty boy, whatever, take me home. You little church boy, whatever, take me home. And uh, they took him home. Brother Howe said it was probably at 12.31 o'clock in the morning and he said those boys dropped him off. He got out of the car. They drove off laughing and making fun and mocking. And Brother Howe said when the car was gone and back in this day, you understand, folks didn't have air conditioning like we do today. Folks just put the windows up and they had screens. And Brother Howe said I could hear a sound coming through the screen door of our, of our house and he said, as I begin to listen a little closer, he said, it was my mama. And he said, I listened. He said, my mama was in there beside the rocking chair on her knees. And she was praying something like this. Oh, Lord, I don't know where my boy is. But, Lord, if he's in trouble, would you take care of him? Lord, would you deliver him? Lord, would you give him strength? Lord, would you help him to stand? Lord, would you help him to do right? And Brother Howe said about that time I opened that screen door and he said, my mama jumped up and, and he said, we embraced and, and he said, mama, and he told her the story. He said, I was in front of the Texas theater and they were passing a liquor bottle around. But he said, mom, he said, I, I, I didn't take a drink. I didn't take a drink. He said, they danced around the room and rejoiced and praised the Lord. And this is all I'm saying, Calvary. Hey, when you've got people praying for you, it's not a hopeless situation. And I don't know about other churches, but I think I know about this church, and I believe this church is a praying church. And so number one, we notice he had someone praying for him. Number two, I love this point. Number two, he had someone pushing him. Now, go right back to Genesis chapter 19, because I want you to see these verses. Genesis 19 and verse number 15. We notice here that Lot had something else in his favor. Not only was someone praying for him, but we, we find here also that someone was pushing him. And it was these angels sent from the Lord. Genesis 19, verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Now look at verse 16. And while he lingered, the men, notice this, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth that, they, that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Now, Abel, baby, can I use you for a minute? <laughs> now, this is what's going on. Lot's in the city, and he's lingering. Now, I'm going to tell you in a few services, I'm going to tell you exactly beyond a shadow of a doubt why he lingered. Beyond a doubt. And so they've come and they've said, Lot, you've got to get out. You've got to get out. God's going to rain fire on this city. He's going to judge this city. And the Bible says that he lingered. And the Bible says this, they laid their hand upon him and the hand of his wife and his daughters and they led him out. Physically. Physically. They pulled, they pulled him, they pulled him and pushed him. 
Thank you, buddy. You say, Pastor, is that important? Yeah, it really is. And I'll tell you why. You've got someone who pushes you as well. And it's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In fact, John chapter 16, verse number seven says it like this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Listen, you know who it is that when you're getting ready to do something you shouldn't do, comes to you and says, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't look at that. Don't go to that place. You don't have any business going there. Hey, you know who that is? That's the Holy Ghost of God. By the way, you know who it is that comes to you on days when you say, you know what, I don't think we're going today. I don't think I'm going to Sunday school today. I don't think I'm gonna go to church today. And someone comes to you and says, hey, you need to go. You need to get up. I don't feel good. I know you don't feel good, but if you go, you'll feel better. And they get you up and push, 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 push. And you say, preacher, I didn't wanna come, but there was something pushing me. Yeah, you know what it is? It's the Holy Ghost of God. That's what it is. And thank God, because of the Holy Spirit, your situation is not hopeless. We notice here he had someone praying for him. We notice he had someone pushing him. I love it. We also notice, number three, that he had a way plotted for him. Now look back at Genesis 19, look at verse number 12. This is interesting. Genesis 19, verse 12. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, notice this, bring them out of this place. Now skip down to verse 13. Verse 13, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. Skip down to verse number 17. The Bible says, and it came to pass when they had brought him them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. I want to tell you what that is, church. That's pretty detailed. That's pretty explicit. In other words, we don't want you just to come out of this place. We're going to tell you exactly where to go. And we're going to tell you that when you go there, this is what's going to happen. And so we notice here that Lot had a way plotted for him. He had a supernatural word that told him exactly what to do. By the way, I love this, Calvary. Lot didn't have to guess. He didn't have to hope. And he didn't have to pray about it. You know why? He had a supernatural word that told him exactly what to do. By the way, it told him exactly what was going to happen if he didn't leave. It told him to leave. It told him exactly where to go. By the way, aren't you glad that God has given you a supernatural word that plots out the way for you and I? You know what, church? Listen, I'm gonna tell you something. Let me tell you what's so great about this book right here. I don't have to guess. I don't have to guess about life. I don't have to, you know, just, well, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I don't have to do that. In fact, in fact, there are some things I don't even have to pray about. You know why? I already got the word on it. 
I've got a supernatural word that plots the way for me. And so I don't have to pray. I don't have to hope. Boy, I hope we're, do, I hope we're doing right. I don't have to hope because I've got a word that tells me exactly what to do. Well, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, I've got a book right here that tells me exactly what marriage is. Marriage is between a man and a woman. It wasn't Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. And, uh, and I don't have to, somebody says, well, I hope we got it right, preacher. Oh, we got it right. We don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about marriage. We don't have to worry about church attendance. We don't have to worry about morality. We don't have to worry about sexuality and things like this. Listen, why? Because we have a supernatural word that plots the way for us. This is our GPS system and God tells us exactly what to do and exactly where to go and exactly how to live. And because of this word, thank God, our situation is far from hopeless. We notice he had someone praying for him. We notice he had someone pushing him. We notice he had a way plotted for him and we're done tonight. But I also notice this, he had a place prepared for him. Look at verse number 17. Genesis 19, verse 17. The Bible says, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain and after that lot, you're on your own. I don't know where you're gonna go. Is that what your Bible says? No. He said, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. I love this. Escape to the mountain. You know what that means? That means there was a place where he could rise above the fray, a place where he could rise above the judgment, a place where he could rise above the hurt, had he yielded to do that. By the way, we've got some places even now like that. One place is called the home. Your home ought to be a place like that. We have another place called the church. You know what? That's a haven. But I'm going to tell you something, Calvary Baptist Church. We definitely have a place called heaven. Heaven. The songwriter said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Oh, I can't feel much at home in this old world anymore. Can I show you one last passage tonight? We're done. Would you turn over to the Gospel of John? John chapter number 13 in your Bibles. John chapter number 13. And I want you to look, if you will, at verse number 36. John 13, verse number 36 John 13, verse 36, the Bible says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, this is what he's saying, Peter, it's getting ready to get pretty bad. The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Peter, some rough times are coming. Some turbulent times are coming. And notice this, church. 
And then Jesus went right from John 13 into John 14. And in John 14, 1, he said this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Let me tell you why I'm preaching this tonight. I've just felt here recently, boy, I've just felt like people are just really living, living under a cloud right now. And I want us to understand something. Our situation, if you know Christ, our situation is not as hopeless as people would have it seen. And, and, and listen, church, it's important that you hold on to that ray of light in a dark, dark world. I read this story this week. It's interesting. It says, this is a story about how the caverns of North Yellowstone National Park were discovered. As the story goes, one of the original explorers was walking on the top of that mountain and fell through a hole. He dropped down several hundred feet into this cavern and was stuck in almost total darkness for over a week. No food, no water. He cried out every day, help! Hoping that someone would hear his voice and figure out he's down there. And sure enough, a guy came along and heard his faint, this faint sound and looked around, found the hole. They dug him out and... That's how they found this giant cavern at Yellowstone National Park. But they asked them a question. They said, how did you hold on to hope day after day in the dark without giving up? And this is what he said, and I quote, there was one little pinhole ray of light that was coming through, and I just kept focused on that ray of light. Man, I read that story and I thought, hallelujah. Hey, Calvary, can I tell you what you better do? You better keep your eye on the ray of light. National Geographic just, just here the other day had a uh, um, documentary on 9-11. Some of you may have seen it. And I was watching some of those documentaries and honestly, I was absolutely captivated. And I was watching, they did interviews with some of the people who, there, who were there and survived. And there was a certain fire chief that they had uh, interviewed. And he said this, he said, the South Tower had already collapsed. Thousands of people were killed. And so a lot of firemen were still in the North Tower. And so they begin to, they begin to send out the radio call, evacuate the buildings, evacuate the buildings. And so that fire chief said, we begin to get all of our firemen together. And he said, well, they were way up there. And he said, we begin to go down the stairwell. And he said, as we were coming down the stairwell, and of course, hundreds of other people were as well. He said, we, we got down to a certain point and he said, there was a lady who had, who had came all the way from the 74th floor and he said, basically, she was just sitting in the stairwell and she'd given up hope. And they said, ma'am, we've got to get out. We've got to evacuate. And she said, I can't go anymore. I've done all I can do. And that fire chief said that he and his men, literally, they picked her up and they began to carry her down those flights of stairs. Well, because they were carrying this lady, it greatly impeded their speed. And so people were going by them and they just had to let folks go by them. 
And this is what he said. Listen to this. He said, we got down to the third floor stairwell and the lady said, put me down. I can't go anymore. Just put me down and leave me here. They set her down just for a moment and then they begin to try to convince her, we're almost there. We've got to keep moving. And he said, while we had stopped momentarily to try to convince her to go down further, he said, while we had paused, the building began to collapse. And as Brother Dave talked about this week, every floor began to pancake down on top of one another. And he said, we could hear it happening. And he said, the whole building came down on top of us. Listen to this. Most of the people above them were all killed. Most of the people below them, even those folks that made it down to the first floor and began to run out, were killed. And he said, somehow, as the building collapsed, he said, here we were in this third-story stairwell, and he said, as the building collapsed, he said, somehow it formed a little cocoon around me and my men and this lady. And he said, our life was spared. They were in total darkness, absolute total darkness. There was debris below them. There was debris above them. And they felt like their situation was hopeless. Don't miss this. As you can imagine, the dust, y'all remember seeing that dust cloud. The dust cloud was incredible. And one of the firemen that was trapped in that stairwell said this. He said, we felt like we were done. There was no possible way we could get out. And he said, we waited. And he said, when the dust finally settled, we looked up. And he said, we could see a small crack where the sun was shining through. And he said, when we saw that ray of light, you know what we said? There's hope. Calvary, this is, what, this is all I'm saying. Don't you get down and discouraged thinking all is lost. There is a ray of light and it comes from the sun, but not the S-U-N. It comes from the S-O-N. And what we had better do is not get our eyes on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or Joe Biden or anybody else for that matter. What we better do is get our eyes on the ray of light and keep our eyes there. And guess what? He's going to get us through. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, Thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for being a ray of light in a dark, dark world. Lord, at times it does seem dark. In my life, at least, uh, I've never seen pandemics like we're seeing right now. Lord, I've never seen some of the things that we're beginning to see right now. But Lord, it's a mistake when I get my eyes on pandemics or I get my eyes on politics or get my, I get my eyes on economics and I get my eyes off the ray of light. Father, tonight, may there be a church in Union Grove, North Carolina who would
when people walk in will have the joy of the Lord in their heart and in their spirit. And when people come and say, how can you be so joyful in such a dark time? May we say to them, I'm keeping my eyes on the ray of light. Father, forgive us for when we get our eyes on other things. And tonight, Master, I pray that you'd help us to focus our attention on thee and thee alone. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Is there anyone here tonight who would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Let me remember you. Can I pray for you? I see those hands. Are there others? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody else like that here tonight? Amen. Hey, child of God, make sure you don't get your eyes anywhere other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together. I hope it's been a help. Lord, it's helped me. It's, it's challenged me to make sure that, Lord, I don't get sidetracked and that I don't become distracted and get my attention where it doesn't need to be. Father, help us to keep our eyes upon the Lord. Lord, help us to realize that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands and said they're not sure about heaven. I pray tonight, Lord, that they would come and I pray you'd give us the opportunity to tell them the greatest story they've ever heard and how they can know for sure they're going to heaven when they die. And then, Lord, maybe there's a Christian here tonight that for some reason is a little discouraged or a little downcast. God, tonight I pray that they would come to this old-fashioned altar. And God, I pray they'd find encouragement. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them tonight. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. And our heads are back.